This is Breakaway, a women's soccer podcast covering industry events, emerging teams, and the latest on league developments. Welcome your co-hosts, Megan and Chase. Hey listeners, welcome back to Breakaway Season 3, Episode 3. I'm your co-host Chase. And I'm Megan. And today we're going to be talking about the U.S. Soccer Federation. They are moving their headquarters out of Chicago into Atlanta sometime in 2024. They haven't listed specifics on where their site's going to be, but they did announce Atlanta is going to be their new home. But before we dive into that topic, Megan, icebreaker questions. Yes. You ready? Yeah. Okay, so what is your least favorite fall activity to do? Least favorite? Least would favorite. Probably like, absolutely like, hate doing it. Don't ever want to do it. Like raking leaves, but I don't ever do it. Mm. Okay. That's fair. I don't know. I also hate dressing up and going to parties. I'm a loser. So you don't like Halloween? No, I don't really like Halloween. But, but I like You had a theme birthday where we had to dress up for it. Uh, was the theme Halloween? It was... Whatever. Fine. <laughs> The thing was Christmas. Anyways, we dressed up for that, so I don't think you hate dressing up as much as you claim. I'm calling your bluff. How about you? What's your least favorite? Oh, boy. I don't know. Um, Probably all... No, I don't want to give the same answer as you. That's so lame. I got to think of something else. I think, like... Not so much in the beginning of fall, but like once you're getting near the end of fall, once it's getting just cold enough where you have to start warming up your car before you get into it. I really hate doing that because it just makes me really depressed because I'm like, I know what's coming and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And there's like some theories about that, how it's actually better to just go, like not warm up your car. It's better really? for the engine to just drive it and it will heat up faster. Are you sure? Yeah, I've heard that. We can look into this. We might have to. Stay tuned, everybody. We do live in the tundra, so yes, it does get worse. Yeah, it does. It gets a little like gets a little chilly. Yes. Okay. So yes, today we are talking about. Um, sorry. Thank you, Chase, for your icebreaker question today. You're welcome. I will have one for the next episode. Um, we are going to talk about the U.S. Soccer Federation move from Chicago to Atlanta. So we'll briefly discuss what that is. We'll go into why not Chicago, maybe speculate a little bit there, move into why we see Atlanta um, as a strong decision of theirs to move there. And then we'll end with why does this matter for women's soccer? And so, yeah, Chase, let's dig on in. All right. Sounds good. So the U.S. Soccer Federation has been located in Chicago for a little over two decades. So when a move like this comes out, there's got to be a lot of uh, pretty big reasons for doing so. So before this episode, we were doing some research and we came across uh, some articles from Bloomberg and they were speculating how one of the main reasons why the U.S. Soccer Federation and a lot of other companies have been moving out of the Windy City in general is because of the increase in crime. So there's been a handful of companies that have been leaving. Um, one example is Citadel. I'm not too sure how many of our listeners are into finance and investing, but Citadel is one of the more well-known hedge funds, and they recently moved their headquarters out of Chicago. Uh, McDonald's chief executive officer, they haven't moved out of Chicago, but they are saying how the crime that has been taking place in Chicago is making it increasingly more difficult for them to find top talent. So I think that's been one of the one of the primary factors that has at least gotten the ball rolling a little bit on, okay, 
maybe they're probably struggling to find talent as well, you know, especially with the whole work from home paradigm shift. Mm. There's less there's less of a need for people to move to Chicago. Um, so I don't know if they're just trying to I'm not too sure. I feel like at soccer federations, like there's so many events that are hosted. It's 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 a harder organization to work from home from. I mean, I work for um, an MLS soccer team and everyone is always at the stadium. It's very hands-on, especially during the season. It's one of those one of those types of organizations that you need to be in there in person. So being located yeah. in a city where crime is increasing, I can understand why they'd want to to leave a little bit, but I don't even necessarily feel like crime has increased there. I feel like it's just because of how information spreads nowadays probably impacts it. Um, Because I've heard a lot of qualms about um, safety in Chicago. And honestly, I, from my point of view, I'm like, it's nothing different than most other major cities. But I also wonder if like the success of sports teams there also has an impact. Like if it's been there for 20 years, think about 20 years ago. Like Chicago was booming with Chicago Bulls and um, just other major, major teams. And now like for women's soccer, Chicago Red Stars aren't really dominating. Um, it's at the Chicago Fire, right, for MLS. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I even knew that. I don't think they're really known to be a great team. So it's like I wonder if the sports landscape there is also impacting it. Like I don't think the Bulls are, Chicago Bulls are like not dominating anymore in the N- or NBA. So I'm wondering if that impacts U.S. soccer as well, like if you are, you know, a sports organization, like going to a city that is booing, which is a great transition into (laughs) why they are moving to Atlanta. Yeah. So, Megan, if you want to elaborate on why you think uh, Atlanta is a location that they want to move to. Yeah. So before we get into the soccer side of things, I think um, Atlanta itself is definitely a booming metropolis. Atlanta is very uh, known for some big companies out there. And I will say, I think a big part of this is the Coca-Cola company, which is based out of Atlanta, announced a long-term partnership with U.S. Soccer in early July. So I'm sure that that is a big deal for them. And they did say that that directly is an important role in bringing the training center to the company's hometown. Mm -hmm. So I think beyond just sports teams, you know, Atlanta is known uh, to have some big key sponsors in the U.S. soccer. So Coca-Cola and I know also Delta is out of Atlanta mm-hmm. and Delta is one of the sponsors for the NWSL. So, yeah, I'm sure that plays a part. Sure. Do you want to go into the teams? Because you know more about that than I do. Yeah. So another reason is that, I mean, if you look at the the United States and try to try to pinpoint where most of the soccer activity and a lot of the soccer talent is concentrating into it you're starting to see it in the southeast side of the united states i mean like we just had Messi get transferred over to inner miami like that's going to be a huge soccer hub a lot of the atlanta teams are doing fantastic i mean atlanta united which is located right in the heart of atlanta georgia they are doing phenomenal they have had quite the season so i think you're just seeing a lot of talent in u.s soccer being congregated into the southeast corner of the united states and i think u.s soccer federation wants to be in the center of all of that growth yeah. And I think they're thinking really long term at this plan. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see from the women's perspective because they don't have a team in Atlanta, no. I don't believe. So and I know that NWSL um, and other uh, women's soccer leagues are really trying to expand their presence over the next decade with new emerging teams. And I believe I was reading a few articles in the past that were naming potential cities that new 
emerging female soccer teams can emerge from. And Atlanta was on top of the list. It was Atlanta and some in Boston and I think Northern California, which we are already starting to see. Within the foreseeable future, we're going to see, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a female soccer team emerge in that part of the country as well. Well, and also when you think about, before I let this thought slip, the Atlanta Olympics in 1996 is where like the the women's national team for soccer did start to kind of get their role going uh, before the 1999 World Cup. But the um, that was the first ever Olympics that was even had women's soccer, I think, at it too, which it was in Atlanta. So oh, really? that could also play a part. Uh, not to mention the biggest financial investor, Arthur Blank, Blanc, do we think it's Blanc? All the above. I don't know. He sounds like he's, you know, a famous businessman. So I feel like it's probably Arthur Blanc. Anyways. It's probably just Arthur Blank. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> he is the co-founder of Home Depot. No longer works with them. But he is the owner of the Atlanta United MLS team and also the owner of the Atlanta Falcons or part owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also has a huge impact because if this person's willing to upfront. Um, the money to invest in a building, obviously they're going to go to that city. Yeah, and how much did they invest in this? They invested $50 million from Arthur Blank himself. Yeah, that's a pretty influential amount right there. So I'm, yeah. sure, that, I'm, sure, that, I'm sure that has a big factor in that. <laughs> so you're telling me you don't want to put U.S. soccer in Minnesota? <laughs> Where real estate is super, real estate taxes are high. What? And it's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Minnesota isn't super well known for its uh, tourism. Hey, it's a Mall of America, Princess Studio, Chanas and Dinner Theater. You know what? You're right. Come to Minnesota, y'all, if you don't live here. There's there's three things that you can see right there. <laughs> Not to mention our ten thousand lakes. Yep, only ten thousand. Only ten. Um, but besides that. The funding from Blank, he wanted to make sure that that is directed for facilities that will not just sponsor, like, or not just help out or house U.S. women's national team or U.S. men's national team, but all nine extended national teams of the U.S. Soccer Federation. So that includes cerebral palsy team, deaf and power soccer national teams. Um, so really cool to be inclusive of all U.S. soccer and not just not just the teams that we know. Yeah, no, it's going to be really exciting to see. So beyond that, a big part of why they're building this is targeting women's youth national team camps, women's coaching mentorship initiatives, and soccer-focused nonprofits in the Atlanta area. Um, It will be designed for hosting youth tournaments and also other soccer-related community events, which I think is super cool because when you think about it, Um, They kind of have some facilities all over the United States that both the men's and women's teams and other teams have used, but it's never been very, like, centralized in one spot, which I think can bring some unification across the two teams, like, the two major teams, too, to know that the men's team will be training in the same place that the women's team will. Because I think about, like, seeing Declan Rice training with Leah Williamson at Arsenal, like, it is cool to see major men's and women's teams use the same facilities and hopefully create more unity across teams. Yeah, and I think this is a a really cool start to a new chapter where we're starting to see men's and women's soccer being treated as equals. And I think this is one of the the ways that they're showing it 
is by creating this unified facility that both all the men's and women's soccer teams that the U.S. Soccer Federation oversees can use and work together and get to know each other. And it's going to be really cool to see what flourishes from this. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, With them focusing more on youth, I think a big part in that is kind of what we've been talking about on previous uh, podcasts about, you know, the rest of the world kind of catching up to the U.S. women's national team. Um, So I'm really excited to see what impact can be made when they are putting more money towards youth initiatives within the United States. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I guess my question for you, and you can turn this back on me if you would like to hear what I have to think, but my question for you is like, why, like, well, I think we know why they're doing it now, but I guess why are they doing this now and why is them focusing on youth initiatives so important? I think it really ties into the fact that Soccer in America is looking for a new chapter in its existence. I think we're starting to see a huge push towards equalization with men's and women's soccer. I mean, like we've seen so many women's soccer teams emerging in the United States over the last decade. We're starting to see a lot of talent being developed and brought overseas as well. And, you know, I mean, just look at all the attendance records that have been broken across all the stadiums during the last NWSL season. Um, even look at the FIFA World Cup record attendance, in-person attendance. Um, not too sure what the broadcasting is, but they had some things working against them with timing. I just think the fans have really spoken, and I believe that you, you, like people want to see the success of both men's and women's soccer and investing in the future of men's and women's soccer. So I think being able to create this facility facilitates that, and then being able to invest in a lot of these youth clubs I think is going to, one, generate a lot of talent from the United States, um, make it a much more inclusive space, you know, trying to bring in, because I, I believe you were mentioning earlier how um, there is quite a lot of limitations on the talent feed in here, just based off how the pre-existing organization was structured, a lot of barriers to entry from getting introduced to these different uh, soccer leagues that you can compete in. So being able to make things a lot more accessible, I think it's just going to it's just going to grow the space that much more. And I mean, like, it's so big in Europe. People grow up with soccer. Um, I feel like it's, there's much less barriers to entry to get into soccer in Europe. And I think the United States is trying to replicate some elements of what's been happening in Europe and what's made soccer so successful over there. Because it, it does bring in, I mean, like, it brings in a lot of money. And so there's obviously that going to be as a motivating factor. So when you're trying to figure out how do we grow this sport, we have... A model across across the pond as you say yeah and successful yeah and that kind of that accessibility we haven't touched on it too much so i'm glad you brought that up because like even hearing on julie fowdy's podcast laughter permitted with um she had mia ham and abby wambach on this was like shortly after the world cup and i just hadn't listened to it for a while but finally did and they had them on discussing like the feeder situation in Europe of like when you think about like killing Mbappe he was oh, like he was a young kid in training in Paris very young almost like basically for free and you think about I mean I'm trying to think of some other like Leah Williamson has been at Arsenal like almost her entire life and has definitely been like 
uh, ingrained in that club and and been poured into at a very young age. You think about like the youth teams in general, like, okay, let's I'm on Arsenal's youth team and then I'll hopefully be fed up to the the senior team. And you don't see that here. There's no connectivity within any of our soccer leagues. Like MLS is completely separate from the NWSL. Um U.S. Soccer Federation had buildings all over the United States. So, yeah, this is like one step closer and not even between men and women, but then including those other inclusive teams that they also have under U.S. Soccer Federation, I think is really cool. Um, And to see inclusivity beyond just gender, I think is super, super important. But, yeah, we need to we need to be competitive with Europe. We need to provide access like this is one of the cheaper sports. America is so messed up when you think about it with sports, because it, the barrier of entry, like you said, using that business lingo, made me giggle. Um, that barrier to entry is pretty high, even though this is probably one of the cheapest sports within the United States in terms of replicating um, all of the different things that you might have to buy in other sports. But I think I'm kind of going on a tangent there. I think. It's a step forward, but we still have a long way to go. Yep. And when you bring up like money making, like if you're going to invest in a killing Mbappe for free, you know that you're getting World Cup wins with your France team and you're getting sold out PSG games every week and you're getting all of these like, you know, 80,000 fans compared to even a 32,000 NWSL record like that just it's there's a big margin gap there. And think about like viewership of the soccer in Europe, both men and women, is so much higher than here. So it is like a balancing, a balancing effect of like, how can we, you know, we have to invest in order to get the benefit. Mm -hmm. But right now the benefit's like not there. Yeah. It's like starting to get there, but it's definitely not there the way that it is in Europe where you could send kids to camp for free. Yeah. No, absolutely. I know. But I, I think this is like a much smaller cog and a much larger vision. <laughs> oh, you are throwing out the business terms today. Uh, no, what? Well, we are a business podcast at the end of the day, so I got to throw in some business lingo here and there. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you. It's okay. I forgive you. I just think that, you know, the relocation of the U.S. Soccer Federation is just a much smaller move and a much larger vision. I feel like bringing over Messi from Europe was also another piece. So I think there's a lot. Only $50 million to make it happen. Right. It's pocket change. (laughs) But I think there's just, I I think it just speaks to the the long-term vision that U.S. Soccer has for this sport. Um, It's going to be really cool to see what happens, but I think this is, it's, there's just so much that I can that can happen, and I think they're they they've they've got to see a ton of potential growth in the sport to be doing all these big moves. I'm very excited to see what soccer is going to look like, not just over the next couple of years, but I think next couple of decades as well. Yeah, I think soccer today is going to look much different than soccer in the next generation. Well, I think it's going to look much more European. Hopefully, I mean our youth teams um, to kind of bring it back to accessibility, like. Those, I think Spain is really easy to look at right now. So Spain's youth women's team won the last World Cup for youth teams, um, has been performing at high levels for the past few years. And then we saw the result of them winning the World Cup. I do not think that was a coincidence. And I think our youth teams haven't been doing well. Um, And I think we saw that with our young team at the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so hoping that this this can spur that change of, you know, caring about the performance of our youth team because we need them to succeed for our team to succeed in the future because we won't have our veteran players that have won a world like the next world cup is going to be very few players that have played in the 2019 world cup like it's only going to be less yeah um and at that point like we need we need good talent not just good talent in the nwsl again this is all like a plug to send more uh, USA women to Europe because we need more people that have played in Europe um, and at that level in order to compete because mm-hmm. it's not cutting in anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so any, any final thoughts on today's topic, Megan? Um, No, I think it it's cool to see them investing more money. Um, I'm interested to see if we get a NWSL team to Atlanta to kind of spur that on otherwise i mean it's a pretty easy city to travel to so i guess that could be also a point um but no i'm excited to see change happening in u.s soccer yeah likewise i think there's a lot to look forward to um i'm very excited to see uh more details that they release about this because like i said earlier they haven't announced any information on the exact place that their headquarters is going to be or what it's going to look like or anything like that that's still to come that's expected to come within the next couple of months. But yeah, I'm just excited to see where this moves forward and the repercussions that moving their headquarters down to this part of the country is going to have on soccer in general. Yeah. Yeah. And to close us out, um, we just want to say big massive thank you to Megan Rapinoe and all that she's done for U.S. soccer. Not just the Federation, but in general. Um, She played her last game. What other hot hits do we have? She played her last game. Arsenal had their first their first ever women's specified team kit in the WSL with Stella McCartney. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Julia Ertz had her last game. Yeah, that was a while ago. I don't care. I still love her. I want to bring it back up again. Well, Megan Rapinoe's like done, done. Like she played for OL Reign in her last one. And very sad, very sad. Lots going on. Hard to keep up with everything. People are getting red cards and wsl more often yeah there's a lot going on there is a lot but we'll be here to cover it all the official had her first she started for chelsea she's a uh, u.s women's national team member now oh yeah she dang. started for them scored on her first game dang, look at her more americans over the pond it's what we like to see that's what we like to see <laughs> oh geez that was a fast wrap up there of hot hits yeah All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us and leave us a review. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more listeners like you. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at Breakaway Podcast, for updates on our latest episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We appreciate your support and hope you'll join us for our next episode.